Well, let me once more say good morning. It's kind of filled in since I was up here last, so thank all of you for being here this morning and kind of nasty weather, uh, but certainly it's good to be together so we can worship our God together, spend some time in His Word also, and I look forward to doing that with you this morning. Before we get started, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the glory of your creation. Father, weather like we have experienced this morning reminds us of the awesome power that you have, Father, and the way that you provide for your creation in many different ways and sometimes surprising ways. And Father, we just want to acknowledge that we see you at work in our world. Father, we see you at work in our lives. We pray, Father, that you will help us to remain ever mindful of the fact that you are alive and you are active and you're working in this world and you're working in our lives. Father, we look forward to spending some time in your word, Father, focusing on your son and the gift that you gave us through him. Father, words are completely inadequate to express our appreciation and our thanks for that, but Father, we do thank you and we do want you to know that we are deeply, humbly appreciative for the gift of Jesus Christ. And Father, it's in his name, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen. So it's December the 8th, which means it's only two and a half weeks until Christmas. Two and a half weeks until Christmas and a morning like this reminds us that Christmas is just around the corner. So I I want to start out with a show of hands, kind of find out which group of people you belong to. How many of you have completely finished your Christmas shopping for the year. So raise your hand. A few strange people in this audience, okay. How many of you haven't even begun your Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. I'm part of that group. Um, My fellow brothers and sisters, it's good to know that you're here with me this morning. Um, There's some things that bug me about this time of year. One of them is when they start running those ads about last-minute Christmas gifts. I'm like, we're two and a half weeks away. What do you mean last-minute It should be against the law to run any ad that says last-minute Christmas gifts until at least Christmas Eve, I think. I I don't really understand that. Uh, But I I do love Christmas. I do love this time of year. Um, I love the focus on Jesus and his birth. Um, it's, It's focused on by people who don't focus on it any other time of the year, so I love that fact. I I love Christmas songs. I should rephrase that. I love most of the Christmas songs, some of them not too crazy about. But I love the music of this time of year. Um, I love the lights. I love the trees. I even love the weather. I like cold weather, and I like snow and those kind of things. I enjoy that. I certainly love the fact that around Christmas season, I get to see friends and family that I don't get to see any other time of the year. Um, This year is the Lane Christmas, so my brother and his family from Montana are coming down, and I haven't seen them in some time. So I love the fact that we get to do that. Um, I love the Christmas party here at Netherwood Park. I love the silly talent show that we have and the meal that we share together. If this sounds like a commercial, it is. I just kind of slipped this in here because the Christmas party is next Sunday. Um, so if you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll find all the details about that. And I hope all of you will join us for that time of fun and fellowship next Sunday. Um, and if you're willing to share what talent you have with us, please see Anthony and let him know. Um, or if you're just willing to humiliate yourself in front of the rest of us, we appreciate that too. So uh, please sign up for that so we'll have plenty of entertainment next Sunday evening. 
But I do want to admit one problem that I do have with Christmas. I have a problem with Christmas gifts. Um, Don't get me wrong, I, I love to give gifts and I love to receive gifts, but I really have a problem with coming up with suggestions to give to other people about what gifts to give to me. Um, people will ask me, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And I draw a blank every single time. Um, and it gets worse. Every year that I live, it gets worse. When I was a kid, I used to get really frustrated with my mom at Christmas time. And my frustration was having to do with gifts, with what we could give my mom for Christmas. So every year, we, my two brothers and I, would have a conversation that would go something like this with my mom. Mom, what do you want for Christmas? And my mom's reply would always be the same. I just want you three boys to get along. (laughs) Well, we quickly moved past that because we all knew that was impossible. That wasn't going to happen. So we'd reply to her, no, really, Mom, what do you want for Christmas? And she'd look at us and she'd say, well, I, I really don't want anything. And we would continue to press her because we had to give her something for Christmas. Um, And finally, she would come up with some exciting suggestions. So the suggestion might be, I'd like a new white sweater. Great mom, thanks. Or my personal favorite was the year she said, I could really use a new slip. (laughs) Now, what teenage boy wouldn't love to go shopping for his mom for a slip? So that really frustrated me. And one of the things that frustrated me about it was that as a teenage boy, if my mom asked me what I wanted for Christmas, I could give her a long and detailed list of all the things that I thought I needed, but the things that I certainly wanted. But my mom wasn't able to do that. But now I appreciate her dilemma because I find myself in very much the same situation. When my kids ask me, what do you want for Christmas? I draw a blank because the truth is, I really don't want anything. Um, I guess I could ask him for a slip, but that might be a little strange. I don't know. Um, But that's kind of embarrassing to admit, isn't it? That I really don't want for anything. Maybe even more embarrassing is the honest answer uh, to the question, what do you need for Christmas? And I'm afraid the answer to that is, I really don't need anything. Um, Not because I've mastered some simple lifestyle and I'm perfectly content with very little. That's not the case at all. The reason why I don't really want or need for anything is because if I want or need something, I just, I buy it. I already have it. I've already purchased it. Um, I've got the power to provide for myself and I usually exercise that power. You know, I'm, I'm relatively affluent, living in a very affluent time in a very affluent place, and I've accumulated an embarrassing amount of stuff, so much so that I really don't need or want any more things. So Kathy and I face that dilemma every Christmas with our parents. So what, what do you give the people who have everything? I'm leading up the reels, let them know they're not getting any Christmas presents this year is what I'm, I'm trying to do. So, but what do you give to people who already have everything that they might want or need? It makes it very difficult to purchase gifts. And we've put our children in that same bind. Our children struggle to find a gift that we might want or need because we pretty much already have everything we want or need. 
Well, when Scott read the scripture, we kind of hear Paul talking about gifts. We hear Paul throughout the book of Romans talking about gifts. He's concerned about giving. He's concerned about gifts, but he's not concerned about Christmas gifts per se. He's concerned about the actual gift of Jesus Christ. The book of Romans is all about the gift of Jesus Christ to mankind. But far from a story of a God trying to decide what to give to a people who have everything, Paul tells a story of a God who possesses all things, but he is willing to give up everything for the benefit of people who deserve nothing. That's the story that Paul tells in Romans. Listen once more to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Paul wrote this. He said, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At just the right time, God gave the perfect gift, his son. His son, Jesus Christ, God gave him to us. God, the possessor of all things, gave up everything, his son, for the benefit of us who deserve nothing. So this morning, I want to remind all of us of a key point, a point that I want to make sure that we all leave with and we all understand is this. It's Jesus was, and Jesus is, and Jesus always will be the perfect gift given at the perfect time to an imperfect people. Jesus was and is and always will be the perfect gift given at the perfect time to an imperfect people. So let's spend some time together this morning talking about what this gift tells us about our God. And let's spend some time talking about what this gift means for us, the recipients of the gift of Jesus Christ. I want to start out with this implication. The first implication that I think that we need to understand about this gift, we need to embrace it, we need to understand it, is that the gift of Jesus demonstrates to us that God is for us. God is on our side. God wants what is best for us. You see, if there was ever any question, if there was ever any doubt about God's love for mankind, those doubts were laid to rest in the gift of Jesus Christ. If there was any doubt about God's concern for mankind, if there was any doubt about God's compassion toward mankind, any doubt that God wants what's best for mankind, those doubts were laid to rest once and for all with the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul famously expressed it this way in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Paul wrote this, he said, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
the God who sent his son for us and the son who obediently gave his life for us, they're on our side. And that was proven once and for all at the cross. I think it's important that we understand that the gift of Jesus wasn't a symbolic act of solidarity with mankind. And it wasn't an act of martyrdom designed to rally followers around the memory and example of a fallen leader. That's not the story of Jesus Christ. No, the story of Jesus Christ, the story of the gift of Jesus was and is much more than that. Jesus' gift accomplishes things for us that we are incapable of accomplishing for ourselves. Jesus' death did things, and it did things for us. Paul gives us a list throughout the book of Romans of at least seven things that the gift of Jesus does for us. And I want to focus on those seven things here for a few minutes. And there are things that we could never do for ourselves. So listen to this list. Paul tells us that Jesus is a gift of righteousness. He tells us that Jesus is a gift of justification. Paul tells us that Jesus is a gift of peace. And he is a gift of reconciliation. And he tells us that Jesus is a gift of salvation. And Paul tells us that Jesus is a gift of grace. And finally, he tells us that Jesus is the gift of eternal life. That's quite a list, isn't it? Righteousness, justification, peace, reconciliation, salvation, grace, and eternal life. A very impressive list of the things that Jesus did for us when he died for us. But you know, it occurs to me that a lot of the words on that list are kind of church words. Kind of words that like preachers and teachers throw out, you know, as if we all understand them, but they're words that we don't use in any other context. And maybe we don't completely understand what we're saying or what we're hearing when those words are thrown out. I think because of that, maybe we don't always grasp the magnitude and the glory of the gift of Jesus Christ because we don't understand the words that Paul and others use to tell us what that gift meant. So I want to take a detour for just a couple of minutes and focus on those seven words so that we can all be on the same page and understand what Jesus truly did for us. So the first word on the list is righteousness. I've defined righteousness as holy and upright living. Holy and upright living. Living right according to God's direction. That is righteousness. And for our purposes this morning, it's really critical, it's really crucial that we understand that the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus Christ made it possible for God to transfer the righteousness of Christ onto his disciples. Mankind, humans, we here today have demonstrated and continue to demonstrate our inability to live righteously before God. To live right before God. But thanks be to God who has made us what we could never be. God has made us righteous. He's transferred the righteousness of Jesus Christ onto us. Allowing us to stand righteous before God. It was the gift of his perfect righteous son. Who allows us to be righteous. The second church word we'll define is justification. 
Let me define justification this way. It's the process by which we are made acceptable to God. The process by which we are made acceptable to a holy God. God's desire is to be in relationship with mankind. God's desire is to be in relationship with you and me. He desires to be in relationship with us. But human sin stands in the way. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, human sin has been standing in the way of a relationship of humans with God. See, our sin has separated us from our perfectly holy God. So a price had to be paid. But rather than exacting the price from us, which would be the natural and the just thing to do, God did something for us that we were incapable of doing. God gifted us justification. God gave us justification. He gifted us a sinless sacrifice. He gifted us Jesus Christ. And it's because of Jesus Christ that we're able to stand justified in relationship with our God. The third word is intimately related to justification. And that's the word reconciliation. Reconciliation is the process by which God and people are brought together again. We're reconciled. We were apart, but now we've been brought together so we can be in relationship. Because Jesus' sacrifice justified us before God, we're able to cross the divide. We're able to bridge the gap that stood between us and our Master, our Lord, uh, God. Again, it's important to realize that God made our reconciliation to Him possible. He made that possible through the gift of Jesus Christ. And it's only the gift of Jesus Christ that allows us to live in a relationship reconciled to our God. Our next word is peace. It's a more common word, but it's certainly no less important than the others. For our purposes, we'll define peace as being the result of coming about because of our reconciliation with God. Sin causes conflict between mankind and God. Sin causes conflict between us and God. In fact, Paul describes sinful humans as actually being the enemies of God. And God's desire is not conflict between him and us. His desire is peace between us. And through the perfect gift of Jesus, God has given us perfect peace with him. Jesus' sacrifice erased our sins, and it is now possible for us to live in peace with our God. Salvation is our next word. Simply means the deliverance from the power of sin. The deliverance from the power of sin. Isn't it great to know that the gift of Jesus delivered us from the power of sin? Isn't that a wonderful thought? Sin no longer has control. Sin no longer is our master. Sin is no longer our identity. The gift of Jesus returns control of our lives to God. The gift of Jesus restores God to his rightful place as our Lord and master. And the gift of Jesus allows us to be identified as Christians, to be identified as followers of Christ. So our next word is grace. 
One of my favorite words. It's a beautiful word, grace. My grandmother was named Grace. Grace is favor shown without regard to the merit of the one who receives it. Favor shown without regard to the merit of the one who receives it. You can't earn grace. You can't deserve grace. You can only receive grace as a gift. And make no mistake, the gift of Jesus is pure grace from God. And our final church words are words that speak to what we receive as a result of God's gracious gift of Jesus Christ to us. The words are eternal life. From God we receive the gift of a new and unending existence in Jesus Christ. God's gift of Jesus means we aren't who we used to be. God's gift of Jesus means we have a new identity because we have been made over in the image of Jesus Christ. These words will sound familiar. We no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in us. And he lives in us eternally. Well, that's quite a gift, isn't it? I've never found anything like that under my Christmas tree. The gift of Jesus Christ that gives us righteousness Justification, peace, reconciliation, salvation, grace, and eternal life. And all freely given to us by God through his son, Jesus Christ. And one of the remarkable things about this gift, one of the remarkable things that we see about the gift of Jesus Christ is that it was never intended for just a select group of people. God never intended it for a single country or a single group of people. That was not God's intention of the gift of Jesus Christ. To use Paul's language, the gift of Jesus Christ is a gift that overflows to the many. A gift intended for everyone. The gift of Jesus Christ is a gift intended for all mankind. It's a gift for the benefit of everyone. All mankind. Jesus is the perfect gift for everyone. And when I say everyone, let me stress that I mean everyone. That's the gift that God gave. Jesus is a gift to the undeserving. Jesus is a gift to the powerless. Jesus is a gift to the ungodly. And I have to stop myself and think, well, that's a gift for those people, the, the powerless, the sinful, the ungodly. But Paul's describing me. That's a description of me. And that's a description of you. That's a description of us. We're undeserving. We're powerless. We're ungodly. And that's who the gift was given to. We certainly don't deserve a gift of this magnitude. And it's not within our power to be holy enough, and it's not within our power to be righteous enough to ever earn the gift of Jesus Christ. It's not a gift that we can earn, and it's not a gift that we can repay. It's the perfect gift given at the perfect time to imperfect people. To use Paul's language, but thanks be to God at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Jesus Christ died for us. 
And thanks be to God, at just the right time, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus truly was, and Jesus truly is, and Jesus always will be the perfect gift given at the perfect time to imperfect people. So my question is this, now what? So what am I going to do in response to this gift that's been given to me? And what are you going to do in response to this gift that's been given to you? And what are we going to do in response to this gift that's been given to us? So as we close, I want to suggest four things that we can all do, beginning right now, in response to God's perfect gift of Jesus Christ. The first is this. I want to suggest that we all in humility need to acknowledge to God our continuing need for the gift of Jesus Christ. Our continuing need for the gift of Jesus. We need to confess to him that we have a continuing need for the righteousness, a continuing need for the justification and peace and reconciliation, salvation, grace, and eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ. In humility, we need to acknowledge to God that we are still undeserving of this gift. We need to acknowledge to God that we still stand apart from Jesus and him without the gift of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we remain a powerless and ungodly people. And as we acknowledge and confess this to God, we also need to recognize something else. We need to recognize that Jesus is still the perfect gift And now is still the perfect time. 2,000 years ago was the perfect time. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was the perfect gift. But he's remained the perfect gift at the perfect time throughout those 2,000 years. And he remains the perfect gift now. God patiently and faithfully keeps giving the gift of Jesus to his fallen creation. God gives the gift in the face of rejection. God gives the gift in the face of hostility. He continues to give the gift in the face of indifference. He continues to give the gift in the midst of ingratitude. God continues to give the gift of Jesus, and we continue to be in desperate need of God's gift. So I'm going to ask that all of us pause for a moment. Pause with me, and I want us to do just that. In prayer, I want us to acknowledge and confess together our continuing need for Jesus Christ. And I want us to thank God for continuing to bless us patiently and faithfully with that gift. So let's take a moment, let's bow our heads, and let's pray together. Father, we are focused on Jesus Christ. That we're focused on the gift that you gave us through Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to acknowledge and confess to you that without Jesus Christ, we're nothing. Without Jesus Christ, we have no hope. Without Jesus Christ, we can't be good enough. We can't do enough. We can't be righteous enough. And Father, we also confess to you that we oftentimes go out through our lives, through our days, 
not even mindful of the magnitude of what you've done for us. And Father, please forgive us for that sin. Father, we want to be people who are made over into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to be people who truly embrace and recognize what you have done for us. Father, thank you for making us righteous. Father, thank you for justifying us. Father, thank you for reconciling us. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you, Father, for your peace. Thank you, God, for your mercy. And God, we thank you for the gift of eternal life, our dwelling place with Jesus and our dwelling place with you. And Father, we look forward to that day when we'll cast aside the cares of this world and we'll be living with you and we'll be living with Jesus Christ forever. And Father, we pray that that day will come soon. But until that day, Father, we pray that we will be a people who will proudly wear the name of Jesus Christ, proudly wear his image, and be a light and be salt in the world in which we live. Father, give us that strength in the same measure that you've given us the gift of Jesus Christ. We pray this through his Son, through your Son's name, Jesus, the Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So two final things I want to suggest that we can all do in response to God's perfect gift of Jesus Christ. These are two things that are intimately connected with each other, and they have to do with accepting and giving the gift of Jesus. I suspect that most of us here this morning would respond to the notion that we need to accept the gift of Jesus with something like this. I already did that. I already accepted the gift of Jesus. I already confessed his name. I already joined in his sacrifice by being buried and raised with him through baptism. And to that I say, praise God. Good for you. Good for us for having done that. But I also want to suggest that just as God keeps on giving the gift of Jesus Christ, we need to keep on accepting his gift. You see, we have no less need for Jesus Christ today than we did the day we were baptized. Our need is every bit as great. Our need is every bit as pressing. So we need to keep on confessing his name. We need to keep on in humility asking for his grace and mercy that only comes through Jesus Christ. We need to continually acknowledge our weaknesses and our complete dependence on God. We need to continue to accept the gift of Jesus Christ. But we also need to recognize and acknowledge and act upon the fact that that gift wasn't given to us alone. That gift wasn't intended for us alone. I think we'll all agree we live in the midst of a world in desperate need of the gift of Jesus Christ. They're in desperate need of all those church words that we went through. They're in need of righteousness and justification and reconciliation and peace and salvation and grace and eternal life. We walk among people all the time in desperate need of Jesus Christ. So my question is this, shouldn't we be sharing the gift? Should we be hoarding it, hanging on to it, making it just our own, or should we be sharing the gift 
of Jesus Christ. Is there any better time than right now to share Jesus Christ with people that you know and care about? Might this not be exactly the right time for you to share the Christ behind the Christmas story? At a time when a lot of people are focused on Jesus that aren't focused on him at any other time of the year. So my invitation is this. First of all, let's all acknowledge and remember to continually acknowledge to God our continuing need for his gift of Jesus. And let's also all recognize that Jesus continues to be the perfect gift at the perfect time, not only for us, but for other people as well. And let's all respond to that gift with continued acceptance of the gift. Let's continue to confess Jesus' name. Let's continue to ask for his grace and mercy. Let's continue to realize that without Jesus, we have no hope for the future. And let's all respond to that gift with continued desire to share the gift. To share the gift with those who are around us. With those who are in desperate need of the same gift that has been graciously given to us, Jesus Christ. We'd like to help you do any of those four things. And if we can help in any way, we'd like to ask you to let us know, because it's hard for us to help if we don't know what your needs are. You can do that in a couple of ways. We're going to stand and sing a song. There could be some gentlemen, elders, godly men who will be back in room 104 that you can go to the back. You can have a conversation with them, and you can let them know what your need is. They'll be glad to help you. Or if you would prefer, as we sing the song, you can walk to the front. You can have a conversation with some of us that will be up here. Let us know what your need is. And again, our desire is to help you in any way we can. So let's do that as we stand and we sing this song.